Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Superman's Not Coming. Oh, I really do like that title, Superman's Not Coming, because our next guest, Tara Mackey, shows us that we can rise up. This is a woman who, at the Northport Middle School, was very concerned about what was happening to students and to teachers and to family members. And it's the dogged persistence of the work that Tara has done to continue to speak up, even when people are bullying you or threatening you or making you think that what's going on isn't going on, she continued to persevere. So she, in her own words, we're going to have a conversation and you're going to hear about Northport Middle School and what she was going through. And I'm also really happy to report. So stay tuned at the end because we have an update. Because Tara Mackey is another woman, another mom that didn't wait for Superman to come fix a circumstance. Rather, she rose up herself and challenged it, and she made a difference. So welcome, Tara Mackey. Hi, Tara. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm thank you. I'm so glad you're on. I was having a conversation with an expert about Northport School and um, looking at uh, some of the testing you're doing and looking for an expert in the area that could come and do some soil vapor. I just wanted you to know. So on the way in to do this show, I was actually having a conversation about you and what's going on. So I'm oh, not going to talk this whole time because you know. I can talk too much. I'm going to hear from you. What is going on with the school and what is the status and how can you fill some listeners in here with what's happening in your backyard? Sure. Um, Do you want me to give you just a brief rundown of the actual situation? Sure. Okay. So um, I'm from Northport. It's on Long Island. It's on the North Shore. It overlooks the Long Island Sound. And you can see right to Connecticut. It's absolutely beautiful. It's historical. It's very artistic. Beautiful parks, um, beautiful old homes, and a very tight-knit community, strong school district, a very, you know, desirous place to live, especially for young families. So um, I chose to live there. We moved there about 10 years ago with our two young children, and it was idyllic. It was a beautiful life. And when my oldest child, my daughter, started um, in the middle school. She started to get migraines. Um, She would complain that when she was in a couple of different specific classrooms, she would get headaches. She would start to feel nauseous. There were even a few times she came home in the beginning of the school year in sixth grade where she would have these bad headaches. Her color would be off. She would vomit, and then she would have to lay down for a few hours and um, be in complete darkness. So that kind of continued. I did speak to the principal. He said, oh, we're going to make sure that we can open some windows and get some more air in there. And I just thought, you know, she was unlucky getting these headaches. And it was, you know, just growing up and it would pass. And then when she was um, towards the end of seventh grade, which was her second year there, 
the parents got an email home over Memorial Day weekend saying that there were some odors in a classroom um, before the vacation, and the teacher left his classroom, went downstairs into what was a warehouse and a storeroom in there, and they found some what they called petroleum-based chemicals, and they said they removed the children, and they tested the air, the volatile organic compounds, through summa canister testing, and that they tested for 100 VOCs, 24 were picked up in the testing, and four were above the New York state guidelines. The four chemicals that were above the state levels, what were the chemicals that they found? Oh, uh, for that particular test, there were a lot. There was two butanone. There were um, a couple of different benzene, benzenes, trimethyl benzene, okay. ethyl benzene, um, uh, several. Like I said, they picked up 100. Um, they listed 24, and then four of them were above the New York state guidelines, which we've come to find out um, that there are no guidelines for children in New York state. The guidelines that are used for all of these tests are usually the O'Chapelle guidelines and the ACIGH, and those are for grown adults, you know, right. grown 200-pound yes. men. Yes. We didn't know there were no guidelines for children. So they uh, had a meeting. They invited parents. Um, and they discussed this a little bit further in detail, but it was still it was a very uncomfortable meeting. They didn't give much detail. But at one point in the meeting, a parent stood up and said, wait a minute, is this why my child gets nosebleeds in school? And then three other parents stood up and said the same thing. And it was just like an alarm went off. It was just really scary. We weren't really getting any answers. You know, is my child in danger? I mean, I'm just, you know, a regular parent. I, you know, work a full-time job. I'm not, I don't recycle all the time. We don't eat organic all the time. You know, I'm not a hysterical person. I'm not overprotective. You know, we're just a regular family. So, but still, this didn't sit well with me. And other parents started to talk after this meeting and were saying, well, wait a minute. My child gets nosebleeds. My child has these strained rashes. My child has headaches. My child, child is, you know, a newly diagnosed asthmatic. Like just a lot of these things, and a lot of kids were having the same issues at the same period of time. So they did do additional testing after that, um, which, you know, they still continued to find different volatile organic compounds. They found PCE yes. above the New York State guidelines, right. um, which, from what we understand, you're supposed to find the source Correct. and then remediate. There was no follow-up testing for that. There was no va- uh, soil vapor intrusion. There was like they didn't do anything further as far as the TCE goes. And that's the one so, compound that that can be linked with some of the um, illnesses right. that I know you've seen at the school. And, and I was yes. going to ask you that they still have not concluded because I, I want to back up here a little for um, listeners. So. In this meeting, when they found the chemicals, did any mm-hmm. in the barrels? Was it barrels they found down there? So we we don't have a clear picture. Okay. When it first happened, um, that was all they stated. They just stated some petroleum based products. They never went further into detail. Were found mm-hmm. in a basement in a lab it was, classroom. So it's it's a school built on a slab, a okay. cement slab, but it's on a hill. So one section of that hill they dug out. And it's, you could drive into it, and it was a warehouse. Turns out it stored all the chemicals for the entire school district. All nine schools in the district were stored down there. Okay. And attached to that was the bus depot for the entire school district that housed, maintained, and fueled 
all of the buses for the school district. We had no idea because it's up a hill, like I said. It's surrounded by trees, and there's a fence up there. We had no idea that there was a gas station, you okay. know, only feet from our children's classrooms. So those buses would idle every morning, idle every afternoon. Fuel would be delivered. The buses would be fueled during school hours, and they would back the school buses up to park them. And you, we have pictures. They're only maybe one or two feet away from the fresh air intakes of the classroom. Okay. So we brought our children to get tested. Um, the school said, you don't need to test your children for anything. You know, you're not going to find anything. So my pediatrician, when I brought my daughter the first time and mentioned it, and she said, you know, you, if, if it was serious, the Department of Health would call us. We're not going to test for anything. <laughs> okay, what do I know? I'm just a parent. That's that fine. Does, I listen to that my doctor. That doesn't happen. I've, in 25, 30 yeah. years of my career, I've never seen that happen. Oh, that they'll just pick yeah. that phone up and let you know. Exactly. Yeah. So then my daughter kept getting, um, she was having breathing issues. Like I said, she was. She just got diagnosed with asthma. She never had asthma before. My pediatrician said her color looks terrible. I'm going to run some blood work. I said, okay, fine. I had no idea what she was running. That was on a Thursday. She called me Friday night after business hours, seven seven thirty at night, and said, "Are you in your house?" I said, "Yes." Why? She says, "I got the blood test results back. You need to call the fire department immediately." I said, "What are you talking about?" My daughter had carbon monoxide in her blood, equal to a two to three pack a day chronic smoker. This was a twelve year old, seventy pound child. Are you kidding? We don't smoke. We've never smoked. Wow. Um, we had our house checked, our cars checked. And it was not in our home. So said, the doctor okay. was thinking it was in your home. That's why she told yes. you to get out. Okay. Absolutely. I talked to other parents, and they had already gotten blood work but didn't tell anybody. Every oh. It was probably at that time there were five children who graduated the summer before when we first found out this happened. And then there were almost two dozen students at the same time as my daughter. Every child except for one that got tested for carbon monoxide in their blood, every single one except for one child had elevated carbon monoxide. Wow. So I said, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an experiment out of this. She was tested after a full week of school the first time. The second time she was tested, it was during a school vacation. Her blood levels were perfectly normal. Then the third time she was tested was the week right before Christmas vacation. After five full days, her levels were through the roof. February break when there was no school, perfectly normal. We tested every member of our family. None of us had elevated carbon monoxide. And, I mean, it was just insanity. So we brought that to the school district. We told the school board. We told the superintendent, well, we have carbon monoxide detectors. They've never gone off. We tested. Everything's fine. It's not from our school. I said, well, how can it happen to our children only when they're in school? Well, not our school. It's not happening here. So at that point, we were really disturbed. We um, we did our own research. We spoke to former teachers. Were you disturbed or were you getting freaking mad? I well, mean, it's I mean, frustrating, but yeah. No, I mean, look, we try to handle things the nice way for about a year. All of us parents wrote letters to the school board, the superintendent. We spoke at board meetings. We We did everything the way you're supposed to, and we didn't get anywhere. We actually got harassed and insulted on a regular basis by people in our own community. Uh, we had a local newspaper who, every time we spoke up at board meetings, we were called gadflies, fear mongers, hysterical mothers, you name it. That's what we were called. So, you know, we tried to look, not take it personally, even though it is personal. Um, we asked for additional testing in the school for the air, the soil, the groundwater. We were declined. We asked for 
a longitudinal study for the children and teachers that were in the building during the time those chemicals were stored there, which was a time period between 10 and 40 years. They couldn't even give a clear answer about that. We asked for a comparison of attendance logs between the other middle school in the district and ours. We asked for them to monitor the nurses' logs to see if there was a specific time, date, or a type of illness that children were going in there for. They did not. They declined that. The Board of Education voted to not do those things. We applied for variances to have our children move to the other school in the district. They would not do that either. They said, our building is fine. We're not moving your children. Um, so we went to every agency we could, Department of Health for, NAS, uh, for Suffolk County, for New York State. We sat in assemblymen's offices. We spoke at legislator meetings. I mean, you name it, we did it. We wrote letters to the governor. We got um, a really amazing, um, very well-known, um, he's an environmental scientist. He worked pro bono for us. He came and he trained us on how to read his report. Uh, that's, we also worked that's very with, good to do that. Yeah, amazing. We worked yeah. with a toxicologist who explained how each of these chemicals are dangerous on their own, but when you put them all together... And you have small growing bodies, you know, breathing this in for periods, you know, for long amounts of time over the course of three years. You're going to have a lot of issues or you potentially could in the future. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, former teachers reached out to us. Um, we went to the library and an old and a historian, a library historian showed us a file cabinet filled with about 100 documents of that school. So going back over the course of 20 years, there were many, many news stories, um, you know, um, test results, things like that. The same thing has happened 20 years ago in this building. Parents were in an uproar, move our children. Our children are sick. It smells like raw sewage. The building is flooding. Our children have asthma. They have migraines. They have this, move our kids out of the school, and they didn't do it. They wouldn't do it. So this so has been going like on for decades. Kept, yeah, history kept repeating itself. Right. And then... We started to hear from parents whose children had even worse illnesses. We have a list now of over 30 children. There are about five or six with ALL, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. We have about the same number with AML leukemia. Um, We have children with lymphoma for young men with testicular cancer um, and four children with aplastic anemia. Wow. So at the same time, actually very recently, a group of high school graduates who recently graduated in 2016, they came forward at a local town meeting um, and said, you know, we want to know what's going on here. We want to contact the Department of Health. We had five of us who graduated in 2016 with leukemia. And so now the Department of Health is starting a cancer study. Now they're starting um, a study, though. They have now, started this. Yeah, exactly. We won't have results for at least 18 months if we really get anything. I, You know, I don't know. But I mean, and it's not just these chemicals that were stored, and it's not just this bus depot. Um, we had teachers who came forward and talked about chlordane, which is a pesticide that was used extensively, but it was banned over 30 years ago. Um, it wasn't only used outside the building. They sprayed it inside. The teachers told us they sprayed it behind their desks. They moved the bookcases, and they sprayed it inside there. Um, we also had an issue with cesspools. It's a, a long like flat building and there's many different septic systems throughout the property for each of the buildings and we had one teacher who became sick in his classroom and he passed out 
they brought him to the hospital. He had um, a severe asthma attack. He never had asthma before. And he was diagnosed with heavy metal poisoning. There was a cesspool in the corner of his classroom under the floor. And um, basically what happened was he got um, mercury, lead, a bunch of different heavy metal poisonings. And he won a workers' compensation case based on that. So even though those are not public, you know, public can't search up workers' compensation cases. He was kind enough to share that with the community in an effort to try to save our children and, you know, our teachers. Well, and what, what a horrible if, if, environment for schools. Um, so I'm listening to you and, and I'm, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Um, and the idea that that school is still even there. Is the school open or closed? So we finally got the testing we asked for. They started it in December, um, and they were giving test results as they came out. So the first thing they tested, because of this teacher and his heavy metal diagnosis, we begged them. I begged them three years ago, please, can you test the air? Can you test the cesspool? Something is wrong here. No, we're not going to do that. Well, they're doing it now. First test they did, they they tested one septic system attached to a science wing, and it was filled with um, mercury. So after that, they kept the kids there. For a while, even with the, it was supposed to be, I forgot exactly what the number was, but it was like 632 parts per billion of mercury in the septic system. So mm. they kept the kids there. They moved them to Underneath the classroom. Underneath the classroom? Oh, my God. Well, so it was in an acid neutralization tank, which is kind of like a holding tank, and then it leads out it le- to the leaching pool, cesspool, okay. outside the building, you know, right outside the room. Right, so it's volatilizing into the classroom. Well, they're, they're saying absolutely not, but you have here a teacher who's got okay. documents stating that he has heavy metal poisoning and from what. And it was the exact same thing that was removed from those same cesspools 20 years ago. It's all documented through the New York State Department of Health. So were they doing they were suma fine. canister testing in the classroom or soil so testing outside of it where the cesspool we was? We asked for everything. And so what did they, they give had you? To check, well, as, well, that was the thing. So we got one result. They kept the kids there. They just moved them a couple of rooms over. Then the next set of tests they did on two other sides of the building, so now we're on three sides surrounding the building, they found more mercury, and they also found benzene. At that point, they finally moved them. So from what they told us and what we requested and what they were supposed to do was all of the cesspools, they were supposed to do 72 suma canisters. They were supposed to do 21... um, where they drill the holes in the floor, um, I guess for the soil vapor intrusion. Oh, yeah, yes. Um, we asked if, we asked for groundwater testing in that area. The groundwater can be as deep as 120 feet down, supposedly. From what I understand, that was something else they were going to do. Um, we also asked them to, if possible, check the perimeter because, again, there are other issues, just like in any other you know community. We have a landfill, which is three miles south. And that is a former Superfund site. Right. Just across the street from the school, we have a former Brownfield, which was a Veterans Administration Medical Center, which is still there. They had um, incinerators for 60 years that were burning, you know, you know, coal and ash and medical waste and everything else. And then about a mile and a half north of the school is a power plant with four 600 foot stacks. 
So, so you're surrounded there, by a few things that could be clearly yeah. contributing to whether we have a soil vapor plume. And, you know, right. uh, the area there, and you ex- explained it so beautifully how idyllic, you know, it is beautiful. Uh, beautiful. beautiful. And it's it's very woodsy. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a conversation that there was barrels discovered underneath the school. So um, I don't know if they have discovered anything underneath the school. The VA Medical Center, which is just across the street from the school, like I said, was a former brownfield. Okay. So um, there have been people who live in the community, older people, who grew up, you know, this was, say, maybe 30, 40 years ago. They told us that they used to roll down the hills in these old medical waste barrels that they found. So when they, um, when it was declared a brownfield, they had to dig up and remove, I believe it was 30,000 tons of um, this this waste, this ash. That's gross. So they had to haul it and cart it away. And while they were digging it up, that's when the people who lived in the community back then surrounding that area was were saying that they used to find all of those chemical drums and they used to roll around in them and play around there. Now, the so, school's I mean, not built on that location, is it? No. Okay. So the school is old farmland. It's just across the street from there. Um, it was purchased by a home builder who built many of the homes in the area in, I believe it was the early 1950s. They paid $45,000 for this um, several acres of land that the school was built on. Okay. They built all homes surrounding it. Four years later, they turned around and they sold it to our school district for $1. So I don't know if they sold it because it wasn't, you know, clean land to build on or if they made an agreement where they would donate the land to the school district because they were building, you know, X amount of homes there. Okay. We don't know. It was not an actual dump where it was, you know, registered with the county or the town or the state. But a lot of older folks say people used to put their dead horses, you know, in a pit there, you know, throw them down the hill, um, old car tires but we don't have any actual documented proof of that. So we don't really know. Has anyone, are you downstream of the Superfund site, the landfill? So the landfill is just southwest. Okay. The um, groundwater travels, um, I'm sorry, it's, it's southeast. The groundwater travels in that area, according to the old map, it would travel north and west. So it would just be slightly I'm sorry, north and east. So it would be slightly east of the school, but there is new documentation coming forward from the Suffolk County um, Water Authority or their maps where it states that that has slightly changed and they believe it's going northeast, which is in the direction of the school. Right, and you have a shallow water table that would be influenced by tidal waters because you're right out yeah. there. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a there's a lot. I mean, absolutely, it's it's you know, I guess it's a unique setting there. With you know, it's very hilly. It's you know, there are there's um, protected wetlands there. Yeah. There are a lot of beaches. Right. So, so it would have tidal you know. influence. So it would influence your waters, and and they're shallow. Because you know, we mm-hmm. uh, like I told you when we first started talking, we were talking about you right as I was driving in. Um, there's some experts that want to look at it and speculation about is there a you know an aquifer that's been contaminated that's underneath the school that we're going to have right. a soil vapor problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like you have uh, other leading factors to it, but. Um, 
it has to be looked at. I always find it interesting, and I share your frustration, that we're talking about your children. Mm-hmm. And, and when I get involved with communities, it's the moms. This is my child. Yeah, exactly. And the idea that the school district or the state isn't supporting you, and we need to find mm-hmm. out what's going on with these kids, is yeah. maddening but will empower you more and the other mothers yeah. to mm-hmm. keep pursuing it. And I'm going to be here for you. And, and, and oh, yeah. we've talked. I have not stopped. We, none of us have stopped. We've been doing this for three years. I had to move. I packed up my children, you know, my husband and I. We sold our house that we loved. We um, gave up our jobs. We each had, you know, six-figure incomes each with these stable jobs that we loved and we worked for. And we took our kids. We sold our home and we took our kids away from everything they've ever known because I couldn't protect them there. I couldn't put them in the schools. Um, you know, it wasn't comfortable anymore. And when all of this was going on and there were children with cancer who started to be represented by attorneys, mm-hmm. an attorney approached a few of us mothers who were outspoken and said, look, We've seen all that you've done for your community as, you know, a courtesy to you. We want to, um, we will submit notices of claim on behalf of your children because um, our children had, you know, blood work with the high carbon monoxide and everything else. They weren't ill, ill at the time, but they would offer to serve a notice of claim on our children's behalf to, I guess, with the statute of limitations, just to get it on record. And that, and that you know, uh, they're suing who? The school district? Well, they put the school district on notice okay. that these children went to your school and they became ill. These are what, you know, this is what happened to them and it's all medically documented. So as if to say, look, we're letting you know that this is what happened to this child. And so it would be on record so that our children, God forbid, in the future, if they develop, you know, leukemia or something else, it'll already be on record that we know what, you know, we have an idea of where this potentially could have come from. Right. And that's important for for doctors. Yeah, we weren't asking for anything. When that happened and that was served, somebody tipped off our local newspaper person. He, through the Freedom of Information Law, requested those notices of claims from our school district. They released them to the local newspaper. One of the children, she um, has had a bone marrow transplant, and she's now in college in nursing school. But my daughter and another child were 12 years old, and they put their first names, last names, our home addresses, and um, their medical ailments in the local newspaper. Uh, and the backlash after that, we, we couldn't, we weren't safe anymore. We were wow. so afraid. We, the kids were being harassed. Our jobs were, you know, we were terrified. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then attorneys told us, put a camera outside your house, make sure your children and your family are not on social media, and keep food in your refrigerator in case your school district calls in a false um, claim to Child Protective Services. So at that point, I said, that's it. I had enough. I'm not going to stop fighting, but I'm, I cannot raise my children in, wow. in in this situation. So that's where we are. And we've yeah. moved, and I'm still working with these moms Good. on a daily basis. We, and how hard, um, though, that you, that you get suppressed and silenced and losing your jobs and moving yeah, um, yeah. Uh, simply because, you know, the truth matters. And we've yeah. had this conversation before. You know, how many cancers is it going to take for somebody to go... Well, too you're many. well over 30 at this point, up to, I think it's probably up to 40. And these are young people, young adults. And How about the teachers? So this is what's very, I don't understand this at all. So 
We have, through a newspaper um, reporter, they gave us, and then retired teachers also gave us, old FOIL documents of health and safety complaints from the teachers and staff going back 20, almost 30 years. And it has all of their complaints. Every time I walk in my classroom, I can't breathe. My eyes itch. I have a rash. I'm wheezing. Um, it smells like raw sewage. Like all of these things over the course of 30 years. And every time we advocated for our own children, we always made sure to add in there, this is for the protection of our children and teachers and staff. About two months ago or a month and a half ago when the building closed, there was a website that was started um, saying really, really negative things about all of us parents. And there were a lot of teachers in it, union members, school board members, um, you know, karma's, you know, karma will win out in the end. Um, you know, this is slander. This is lies. This is my school. I've worked here for 20 years and I've never been sick. Reopen our school. Um, then there was another Facebook group started. They referred to us as the mob, fear mongers, um, you know, fake news. We're trying to ruin the community and their home values and all of these things that the school is safe. It's been tested numerous times. And every time the Department of Health clears it for occupancy. Well, you know what? The standards to clear a building for occupancy, a lot of people would not be comfortable sending their children there no. if they knew what those standards were. No. And, you know, you don't you, you, you will stand up to the bullying and I know you will. And, you know, it's really easy for people to jump on a website and throw out there. But, you know, if you're you're in it, your children were in it, your neighbor's children are in it. They're knowing it. They're living it. They're yeah. breathing it. And they're not yep. going to get knocked off or bullied out of what the hell is happening to yeah. my kid. And yeah. Um, they're, they're mad that the school has not reopened. You know, I have found when people push on you like that, I stop and go, what is it you know and what is it you're hiding? Because something's not right at that school. If there was, why did they shut it down? Well, exactly. Well, they, these parents are saying that they closed it down because we bullied them no. and made their lives so difficult that they had to do it. But you have the test results. You have the children with cancer. You have historic mm -hmm. documents. And, yeah. you know, I don't... School districts can be quite formidable. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they can be absolutely. real asses if they want to be. And yet here yeah. they are. They're supposed to be protecting the children. And, and, and they oftentimes don't. But that they... It would take... And it does take a, an act of Congress, if you will, for them to look at something to go, we're going to shut down the school. So that's yeah. not just because somebody came along and bullied them. That's not. Yeah, that's well, not yeah, how that goes. Exactly. Well, they're saying it's a. It, this is a get rich quick scheme for us. We just want to win big bucks. Oh my god! Don't, I don't have a lawsuit. None of us have a lawsuit. Right. None of us. And um, you know, it's just it's insanity. And tomorrow is a school board budget meeting. They plan on going full force. And, um, you know, really saying we want to know what the test results are because we want our kids put back in there. Um, we've heard that they want them in there as soon as, you know, after spring break. They want their kids back in that building. Well, you keep getting test results like that. And with your fight, that might not happen. I mean, and a lot of parents can take a look at that. You know, I get involved on the law side. I've done what I've done for 30 years. People will know the film and they'll think that, you know the money and coming along was restitution. And, and, you know, I still stay in touch with all these people. Mm -hmm. When your child has cancer, $10 million. No, isn't no enough money. in no restitution. Money, None. Not. 
None. The justice is we should have known. The justice is that people now know. The justice is the school is shut down. And that's what parents I know are looking at and some are afraid mm-hmm. to look at and, and they'll give a, a pushback. They're terrified about their real estate values, but we can't keep hiding behind information that jeopardizes the health and the welfare of our children. It's right. well, just yeah. wrong. Well, another thing they're arguing is not every child that has cancer in the school district went to that school. No one ever said that. We never said that that's the situation. What we are saying is here is a school that has a history of environmental problems and illness. We're not saying every person that got sick in this specific community got sick just because of that school. There are other issues. There is a landfill. There is a VA medical center. There is a power plant. But there are specific things that this school district was negligent about with that building Right. As far as a bus depot, storing chemicals, having mold and mildew and flooding for for 60 years. And we also brought to their attention the Brownsfield information, the Superfund information, the ground, the groundwater maps. We brought all these things forward. Hey, I don't know if you know about all these things. Look what we found. Maybe you might want to test and look into this. Maybe this is contributing to the illness and the environmental situation mm-hmm. in this building. Right. We're not saying every person who is ill or got cancer got it from that specific building, but you are negligent if you don't at least look and try to find out. What well, that's per- exactly right. You know, two things that I would jump in on here is one, you have more unanswered questions than you have right. answered. Exactly. And in the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about, you know, the... Um, rules that they go by for how much you can be exposed to for everyday yes. workers. And, you know, mm-hmm. those those test results are usually based on a 35-year-old healthy white male. Yes, a male, a 200-pound male, not a 70-pound little girl. Correct. Or a 70-pound or a child with asthma or an yes. autoimmune disorder or an exactly. older teacher that has an autoimmune or is recovering from cancer themselves. You know, we're all individuals and each mm-hmm. of us will respond differently Exactly. To a different compound. And so the children there are clearly exhibiting issues. Yes. Um, so, well, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, I'm probably be on the phone with you again in the morning. Mm-hmm. I think I, I know you know this and I've talked to you before, but uh, the inspiration of you and the mothers and the communities, you know, oftentimes we go, we were taught, right, growing up that we needed permission to use the restroom in a class. You know, can I please, teacher, use the restroom? Um, And when we get in a situation like this, I think communities are asking for permission to say something because they're often silenced or convinced because they're not Mm -hmm. this or that, go away, and they do. But what you're really looking for and what you've shown here is support, support of your community, support of the parents. And once that happens, you become really formidable. Um, And no school district should, in my opinion, I'm a mom of three, I'm a grandmother of four now. And I am not kidding. My granddaughter, one of my oldest granddaughters has special needs. She can't be exposed to an environment like this. I would be asking a lot of questions, and I think that every school district, again, stop with this, oh, you know, you're a fear monger and there's nothing going on here. But be willing to say we need to look further into this. And if there's something 
in this school harming these children mm-hmm. is going to stay shut down. As it, as it absolutely should. And, you know, we get a lot of, like you said, we get a lot of pushback. We get a lot of really horrible, horrible things said to us. But my, the only thing I really can, you know, lean on is I said, you know what? Well, you spent these last three years beating us up verbally. Um, we have reached out to, we've done a lot of work with Earth, Earth First Law Group in Manhattan. Um, they did a, uh, like a case study of our school and another school called Frank P. Long on Long Island, which is a school right next to Alanta, where a lot of the teachers are getting cancer and the children are getting sick also. So what they did with that was they did this case study, and now we're working with, um, there's a young man in Northport who he's going to be running for assembly. His name is Michael Marcantonio. He was a student at Northport Middle School 20-some-odd years ago. He was sick when he was there. His brother was sick when he was there. His mom was up there. You know, look, my child is sick. You have to test this. You have to do that. We need, you know, we need answers 20 years ago. So now what he's doing is he's going to take the work that we've done with this law group over the last three years, and he's going to try to get enforceable guidelines in New York State as far as exposures. And he's going to have those not just be for adults, but we want to get enforceable exposure guidelines for children. And then he wants to take it national. Good. So we want the state law and federal law. And that's what we need. We need, like, young people who are not afraid to stand up against, you know, their town and people don't want to change things because this is how it's always been. But guess what? When you know more, you do more. And you need to do more right now because these are your kids. This is this is your future. I'm smiling and I'm not smiling because this conversation is very, very hurtful, very daunting, very frightening because there's other schools like this. But your courage in speaking up and speaking out just goes to the heart of everything that I believe. While we have these stories and I hear these conversations and, and these children with illnesses, it's so daunting. But see, the hope is here. And the hope is you. The hope is communities. Mm -hmm. The hope is precisely what this conversation is, that this suppression, this comfortability, this complacency, drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will, isn't going to work. No. Anymore. And so that's why I'm smiling because of you and your determination you. <laughs> um, and you become an inspiration for mothers and women across America. And, and it doesn't have to be mothers and women only men, school boards, yeah. school agencies, all of us, our obligation and our duty to our earth and to our children, the legacy we leave and the future that they have. Exactly. And your front I applaud you and your you. front and center. You know, I'm on your side. Thank and you. And that um, how much I appreciate that you sharing for others what's happening. And it's not what if something is happening at North. Northport Middle School. Northport, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to do tongue tie, but port tongue. <laughs> so um, middle school is it is something mm-hmm. is yeah. happening. I had a teacher call me last night. I don't even know this woman. She's in her 70s. She taught there for 40 years. She fought hard back in the early 90s and the late 80s to get, you know, the school district to implement um, some EPA guidelines and have procedures and, you know, try to get that building cleaned up for all the sick teachers. And she called me yesterday and she was almost in tears because she said to me, what is, how is this happening? How I hear they want to reopen that building. Tara, yeah, I fought so scary. hard for so many years. To, why does this keep happening? And I said, I don't know. I really, I can't answer that question, but I do want you to know 
We're doing everything humanly possible. And I mean, even though I moved hundreds of miles away, um, I don't feel like I'll ever be comfortable again. I feel like I'll always have to look over my shoulder. I'm always going to be afraid. All of us will be. And we all call each other frequently, you know, hey, my child is covered in bruises and, you know, now I'm afraid, you know, what if what they were exposed to, what if they're going to get aplastic anemia or leukemia now? We're never going to feel safe, you know, physically from harm. We're never going to feel like what, what I say, what kills me the most. I don't want money. I don't want anything else. I just, you took my peace of mind away. You took away my ability to just relax and be a mother and appreciate my children and all the stages they're in. You took it away. Because now in the back of my mind, I'm always going to wonder, is something going to happen? Did, did she breathe those things in just one month too long? Like, what is going to happen to my daughter in the future? And I scrimped and I staved and I worked so hard to buy a home in that community because I wanted to give her the best that life had to offer. You know, it, it's not... I, I just wanted her to have a main street and, and a little town and cute little shops and a park and a small town community feeling with, you know, smart, artistic people and boating. I just I wanted them to have what I think everybody wants, just a beautiful memory, a beautiful upbringing and a, and a, and a beautiful life. And now I feel I blame myself for having picked that place, even though it's not my fault. We all do. All of us mothers do. Right. You know, we, we blame ourselves and it's just not right. And they took away our peace of mind and that's something we'll never get back. And I'll never forgive the people who, you know, voted down all of our requests for further testing. I'll never forgive the superintendent who told me, Mrs. Mackey, your child is not getting high carbon monoxide from this building. She didn't just develop asthma from this building. She doesn't have headaches from anything she's breathing in here. This building is fine. The Department of Health checked the box that says so. We're not going to move your daughter to the other school, Mrs. Mackey. Then I asked for a bunch of us. I asked for um, in-home tutoring. Nope, we can't give you that. You can homeschool your child. You know, we were two working adults in the home. I couldn't quit my job and homeschool my child. And then they sent me a document, referred to our policies, and their policies say if you don't send your child to school, your child will be truant. Wow. So what were my options? I had to take her monthly for blood work so they could monitor her um, carbon monoxide levels and her platelets for the entire remainder of time that she was in that building. And, uh, you know, all the while with no support from anybody, we were all just, right. you know, continuously ridiculed. And it just it has to stop. I mean, if something's wrong or, you know, if there's a history, maybe don't be so quick to attack. Just sit back and maybe... Do a little bit of, you know, reading yourself. Do some of your own right. research. Well, they're scared. I think they're scared. And it's uh, scary. I get it. You've you know, just your shared your, your fears. Investment. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's hard, but we're better off and and knowing what's happening so we can make a different choice and a better choice to protect the health yeah. and welfare of ourselves and our family. And you can certainly put it out there to the community. You've done that. And those who are willing to listen are, are here for you. The other ones, it's they're afraid. I, I've, I've seen this happen in my work. It's like, oh, my God, I don't want to process that information. The fact that somebody that I thought would be protective of my child is actually hurting my child. 
That's so, exactly what we thought. We thought, yep. wow, they must not have seen these old test results of the buildings. Maybe they didn't know about the Superfund side of the Brownfield. We're just going to give this to them, and they're going to say, wow, okay, thanks. Now we're going to take care of this. But that's not what happened. Right. You women are crazy. You women are hysterical. Well, you know you're not. There's nothing wrong. I know. I and, know. you know, it's the, it's that suppression that has become such a huge part and why why I called my book Superman's Not Coming, because yeah. I think there's been an idea, all of us, me included, that really thought something or someone would come save us we or fix it. We did. We really did. We went to every governmental agency and they said, well, all we can do is contact the school district and offer help. We really can't impose ourselves in there. I'm like, wait, what? Well, and then they said, speak to your legislators, your politicians. We did that. They couldn't help us. Then they said, you really need to speak to the press. <laughs> we spoke to the press. We would be in the news. And then there would be even more pushback from the school district and the community because they were angry about being in the news. Well, what do we have to do so someone pays attention? You get persistence. You know, yeah. I talk about stick to and that's uh, mm-hmm. noun, propensity to follow through in a determined manner, dogged persistence born of obligation and stubbornness. Well, that would yeah. be you, my friend, yeah. obligated, stubborn, determined, dogged, and you'll stay in the fight as long as it takes Absolutely. to find the answer. Absolutely. And we look for heroes, and I think we forget you are the hero. We are the hero. You can become your own hero. And that's exactly the role that you've taken on. And that takes courage and heart and uh, withstanding people pushing back on you because they don't want to know. But you're quite formidable yourself. <laughs> and uh, I, um, and I, I laugh happily that there are terrors in the world. And we need more of you. And I think we're at a turning point. And it is tragic, tragic, tragic. And the great, great healing that has to go on. That because somebody concealed something that caused a child cancer, the loss of a child, um, the devastation Mm -hmm. that the family has gone through. But justice still can be served by finding out the truth, knowing the truth, sharing that information, sharing that knowledge, and pushing to get the right thing done. And, yeah, I hope so. And so now you'll come back and talk to me again. I know I know you of will. Course, I hope you always. will. And I'm, I will talk to you um, probably in the morning. I want everyone to know, how are your kids today? My kids are great. They are healthy. They are in new schools that are clean. You know, there's no signs taped above the sinks, non-potable water, like in our old high school. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a different world. But aside from it being a different world for them and, you know, it's a clean and safe environment, we're fish out of water because we're New Yorkers and, you know, any place else is not New York. And it's difficult, but, you know, we're not going to give up. We're going to make it work because we had to do what we had to do for our kids. And I just pray that it was the right thing. And I pray that we got out in time and there won't be any lasting effects. Well, I know. And that's that's always frightening. And um, uh, I'm very thankful. And I know many people are for the information that you keep pushing out about the school. And we'll we'll keep talking about it and updates. And I'll talk to you about some of the things that we think might help or an expert that could take a look or where something could be be coming from. Anything would be wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for your time thank you. and your thank amazing you work. Um, it's your oh, calling, and thank you for for blessing you. all of us with your spirit. Thank you. All Bye. right. Talk to you tomorrow.
Bye. Bye. I have such admiration for Tara. And it's so hard, you know, when you're pushed back, pushed back, you know, pushed back. And other people think that, you know, you're making something up or they want you to go away. She persevered. And here's the great update. So right around the time that we spoke, they were looking at shutting the school down, which was ultimately shut down. And it did have high levels of mercury and benzene. Imagine if Tara hadn't done what she did. They could still have that problem today. And they've done extensive remediation as well. They have removed the bus depot fleet and the gas station and the underground fuel tanks. Students were welcomed back to school in September. The environmental testing company did make recommendations to the school district in an effort to ensure the school was safe and a healthy learning environment for all. Parents are still waiting to see that all items have been completed and signed off by a professional so that they know their fight and the work that was done that they fought to have done was in fact complete and that school is safe. They have also, many of the families now have representation in order to help keep them moving forward to look at the damages and what the responsibilities are and how we can, again, help these families move forward. Tara Mackey, you're a hero. And Northport Middle School should be thanking you instead of fighting you. You made a difference. (laughs) 